Welcome to the CCF Iowa podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to Real Talk. And this week we're going to be talking about morality. Now, specifically, I want to focus on the the couple different theories of how to think about morality, a couple different choices on how to think about what is good, about how to define what is good. And uh, and, and the re- basis for this is there's a lot of movies and TV shows that have big more questions about them. Uh, Batman, for example, Batman knows that if he kills the Joker, a lot less people and a lot of money and city damage uh, would go away uh, if he just killed the Joker, that there would be a lot less crime in Gotham. And uh, and that's something that Batman wrestles with throughout the comics, throughout the movies, throughout whatever he's been portrayed in. Uh, there, even in the show The Good Place, they address uh, what's called the trolley problem, which just says if you're the conductor of a trolley and on the track uh, in, in front of you, there are there are three people that are about to get obliterated by this trolley. And there's one person on a subsequent subsequent track. Do you switch tracks to kill the one instead of the three? Or do you let the trolley run its course and kill the three instead of the one? Uh, because you, they, he was standing on the track, so the trolley was not supposed to go. And that's a really complex moral situation. And there's also so, several others, specifically two others I want to talk about. I want to give you the scenario for this. Gone Baby Gone is one of my favorite movies of all time. And the what, part of the reason why is because of this moral question at the end. You find out that the whole case is about trying to find this uh, this child's kidnapper. And uh, uh, and about halfway through the movie, you, you're to believe that the child is dead. But at the very end of the movie, what you find is that this recently retired um, sheriff, head of the police police chief, has kidnapped the child. Uh, he indirectly kidnapped the child, but is going to raise the child. The child, and, uh, and because she comes from a home that is not a loving family, her mother is a single mother. She goes out a lot and leaves the child at home. Um, she has substance abuse issues and alcohol abuse issues and, uh, relationship issues and abuse issues, lots, lots of bad things. And so the police captain indirectly kidnaps her and moves away and says, we're going to give her a better life. And you really do believe that he's going to, but what is the right moral choice to make? Do you ignore what you just saw or do you call the police and say, this person kidnapped this girl and if you come here you'll find out it's it's a really tough interesting moral complexion that uh, that we that could that should compel you to to be frustrated about it right uh, and there's a very famous moral complexion in uh, in the the movie or graphic novel of watchmen whereas uh what you see is that a a quote-unquote superhero um has framed another very powerful superhero uh to uh, he has he has led the world to believe that this very powerful person has just killed millions of people and so uh, the the world needs to unite together again instead of trying to focus on another and this takes place in cold war era that the world needs to stop fighting about you know united states and russia and you know, united states and china and uh israel pakistan iran iraq um saudi arabia all these countries we need to stop fighting one one another and we need to fight the bigger common good and because of that instead of 
because of that, um, the, the, the countries actually live in peace and harmony after that because they live in one thing that they can fear. But in order to do that, he's damaged the reputation of a very powerful superhero. He's ostracized him and he's killed tens of millions of innocent people in the process. So is he justified in his actions? And that's what we're going to be exploring tonight. These, th these four specific examples, but, uh, but through different, uh, different ways of thinking. And so really what this all boils down to is legality versus morality. Legality means what is written is law. End of story. Morality says sometimes it's not quite so simple. Sometimes yes, for the instance of gone baby gone legality says that kidnapping is a crime end of story call the cops but morality says that you know that there's more to the situation and maybe maybe calling the cops is not the right choice and uh as as we think about these in terms legality is very clear but morality is it's just not. And so I want to try to clear up morality a little bit this episode. We're going to start here. There's a, there's virtue theory. This is by a philosopher. You might have heard of him by the name of Aristotle. Aristotle's virtue theory essentially says that you focus on the character. Uh, if you be a good person, then good actions will follow. And while I understand where Aristotle is coming from, you can very easily see how this is going to fall apart, right? Because not always, because it's, it, we have these complex issues of of um, of what to follow and of how to approach situation. And sure, maybe be a good person and good actions will follow might work on something that's very, very black or white. But what happens when you get to the gray area? And also, you know, this implies that this cause has an effect, that it has to have an effect, but really aren't, aren't our moral issues and our, aren't our good actions an intention of the, of the interior of the heart. And so doing good actions does not necessarily relate to being a good person, having good intentions. And frankly, for virtue theory, I don't know that we can really answer any of the, the problems that we talked about. I don't know that virtue theory has an answer for should Batman kill the Joker or should the, the detectives call the cops on the kidnapper or uh, was Ozymandias justified in his uh, killing of tens of million people for the sake of global peace or uh, is do you, how do you address the trolley problem? And uh, I don't, I don't think virtue theory has an answer for any of these. It's very subjective. It's very context specific, and it's it's not, it's very general. It's very vague. Also, next we're going to talk about divine command theory. Now, divine command theory is is very widely held uh, and has been for all time that there has to be some sort of a god that is the foundation of morality. We in the Christian church, you know very much adhere to that as there is a God. His name is Yahweh. He sent his son, Jesus, what they say goes. And, uh, and there is a little bit of a problem to a basic philosophical argument about that from a, a different perspective. So, um, first of all, there's Plato pr uh, produced this Euthyphro problem and it's called the Euthyphro problem because they did it in the story where our protagonist is, named Euthyphro. 
So the questions that Plato asks here, it says, are right actions good because God commands them or are right actions commanded by God because they are good? And there's a little bit of problems with each of these. So if we think about this from strictly a philosophical perspective, are right actions good because God commands them? Well, that implies that God is the ultimate authority on all. And we have to take into account on that matter, well, what about when God happens to change his tone, i.e. Old Testament versus New Testament, where he is uh, you know, loving and wrathful versus loving and peaceful? How, how do you justify that? Because then it depends on God's quote-unquote mood, and there's not necessarily any standard to that. And then the right actions commanded by God because they are good. That's the other side to this equation. But that implies that there's a higher power other than God. And frankly, if there's a higher power other than God, then shouldn't we be worshiping that other higher power instead? Shouldn't that be the thing that we derive from? And so that that's the Euthyphro problem that uh, from from Plato's perspective, that's the Euthyphro problem from from a strictly philosophical perspective that is the youth for a problem that's the problem with the divine command theory but also another problem with divine command theory is if some sort of god is the foundation for morality then what about those who don't subscribe to the notion of a god what about those that are atheist or agnostic or secular humanist and what about those that worship a different higher power than you what about uh you know, people that were, that are just uh, Jewish or people that are Muslim or people that are Hindu or people that are Buddhist. What about that? Where does that factor in to everything? So there's a lot of problem with divine command theory. And sort of similarly, uh, I think maybe we could answer some of these questions uh, with divine command theory saying that, well, God says thou shall not kill in the Ten Commandments. Therefore, Batman shall not kill the Joker, and therefore Ozymandias shall not kill tens of millions of innocent people for the sake of global peace. But the Bible also doesn't necessarily strictly say that thou shall report kidnapping even when it seems like maybe the right thing to do to ignore it, or thou shall ignore it because it was better than what the law had in place. Um, and the Bible doesn't necessarily specifically have an answer to the trolley problem because, you know, either way, it's not an ideal situation and there's not necessarily anything listed that the Bible can say, yeah, do do this over that. So a guy by the name of Thomas Aquinas is a Christian theologian and he kind of adapted divine command theory for uh, what he calls natural law theory. Now Thomas Aquinas being a Christian theologian says that God created the world according to natural laws and uh, and the natural laws abide by the seven basic goods. The basic goods being life that uh, that that humans humans need to follow the seven basic goods to be moral just so life, the fact that you you live, the fact that um you do everything you can to keep yourself healthy and alive as opposed to trying to end it or as opposed to um, neglecting care for your life. Uh, the second basic good is reproduction. So continue life, make more life. Uh, the third one is to make sure to educate your offspring. That makes sense. Fourth one is to seek God. Thomas Aquinas, being a Christian theologian, also makes sense. 
Uh, another one being to live in society, that humans are built for community and humans are meant for interaction with one another and we are to help out one another. We have to live and commune in society. Another one is to avoid offense. So try to avoid situations that are going to get you in trouble or to try try to avoid uh, situations that are going to hurt relationships with people. Uh, so we can all live together for common good. Seems uh, Seems agreeable. And to shun ignorance, to essentially just say that, it, you know, um, you should be educated and you should have a stance and, uh, and you, you know, shun the, the things that are ignorance. And, <clears throat> and this all seems pretty agreeable to me, but one of the things about this essentially says that uh, one of the, one of the side effects of this is essentially we don't need the Bible or church or God to understand natural law, which is good for those that don't necessarily adhere to any sort of God or divine being. Uh, any sort of divinity, but uh, but for those that believe in what the Bible says and the biblical, it, it's all about a biblical standard to some degree because Aquinas being a Christian theologian, and so while someone might not agree with uh, with the Bible, that the, these are very inherently still biblical, and uh, and in natural law theory essentially says that instead our instinct shows that basic good and reason allows us to derive natural law, but by this instinct we can see God because this is our God-given instinct. But, of course, natural law theory, like everything, falls apart at some point because what about if, if, if reproduction is a nece necessarily good thing for um, the basic goods, for living a moral life, what about people that... Uh, don't have the capacity to have kids what about people that are barren or those that um don't want to have kids where do they fall in this and what about the person in a vegetative state that really has no quality of life but still has a heartbeat where does that fall under the basic good and and where do people fit in that don't seek god how how does all all of that work and I think that with natural law theory, I, I also think that some of these moral questions that we've been using as examples also don't really fall in line with this. Because let's take the example of the Batman and the Joker. Well, according to that, there would be Batman being a vigilante is is not following avoiding offense. And Batman choosing to kill the Joker is a violation of the sanctity of life as a basic good. And um, <clears throat> with the Gone Baby Gone example, we, we have uh, a, a basic good with uh, educate offspring, but we have a violation of a basic good, which is avoid offense. And we also have another basic violation, which is to live in society since the family that tried to unofficially adopt this girl live out in the woods because that's what you do when you try to get away with uh with a kidnapping uh and for for watchmen we have uh we we it's again of that term of if i if i kill 10 million people now but we avoid a nuclear holocaust i mean that how how does that fall into the basic good of life is is it justified because we're going to save so many people or is it a violation of life uh, is it's it, it's a violation of avoid avoid offense certainly and for the trolley problem is it is it how do you avoid offense when somebody is going to die either way and one of them might be completely your fault and the other might not and um 
and in terms of even life. I mean, one way you're going to violate life. So how, how does natural law theory define morality here? So then we're going to enter this guy by the name of Immanuel Kant. Now, Kant is a founder of a line of thinking called Kantianism. And, uh, and Kant thinks that there are moral and non-moral based decision and that our desire controls our non-moral moral based decisions. So think of this in terms of like, we call it sacred and secular sometimes. Sacred meaning that this is specifically explicit in the Bible and secular meaning, well, the Bible doesn't necessarily say anything about that or this doesn't really have anything to do with the Bible. It's somebody that's something that some um, non, non-Christian person might say, like, sure, your Ten Commandments say this, but not this. Uh, and so there could be two categories. And so there are hypothetical imperatives, which is essentially just commands that you should follow if you want something, i.e. if you want to get a paycheck, you should get a job. That makes sense. Uh, and then there are categorical imperatives, which essentially just says you must follow regardless of desire for moral obligation derived from pure reason and intellect. And the categorical imperatives really revolve around what is called this universalizability principle. It's a huge word, and I'm really proud that I got it on the first time. The universalizability principle says that what is right for one is right for all, no matter the implication. And so if you choose to justify stealing a candy bar at a convenience store, you are similarly choosing to justify uh, the invasion of countries since that is just the stealing of land and the overthrowing of government, right? If you are choosing to justify uh, a, a murder, then you are choosing to justify all murder as extreme as the Holocaust, right? So <clears throat> uh, obviously this is, this is extreme examples, but it's just to get a mindset of how you understand, you can understand Kantianism. And it, 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 the point of the universe, universalizability principle is that it's not fair to make exceptions for yourself. It's not fair to say killing is wrong except when I do it. And, uh, and Kant also says that you are never held morally responsible as long as you adhere to the moral code. So uh, an example that one might say is, let's say you and your friend are sitting in the living room, which is at the back of the house. Somebody comes and knocks at the door and has a weapon and says, I'm here to kill your friend. And you're in the time of that conversation, your friend overheard that or recognized the voice and he chooses to dart out the side by the bedroom window. And, uh, and if you chose to, um, let's say if you chose to lie and say he's in the bedroom and he happens to be passing by the bedroom window right about the time that, um, that your friend was running by, you are directly responsible for his death because you lied and your lie in turn caused his death. But if you would have said the truth then uh, and said he's in the living room in the back, even though it may not have seemed like the morally right thing to do uh, to, to give away your friend's location, he would have gone to the back to the living room to not be there and you would not have lied because the last you knew he was in there and your friend would have escaped around the side of the house by the bedroom window. And so... Um, Kant is saying that you are not morally responsible for anything because you told the truth, because you didn't lie, and if you had lied in that situation, then you can justify lying by any means. Now, these are really crazy examples, but that, but we're talking about really crazy scenarios here, right? And so, by Kantianism, by thinking about the way that Immanuel Kant thinks, well, how do we think about Batman versus the Joker? Well, if Batman could justify killing the Joker now, then isn't he doing the same thing that Joker has been doing, killing lots of people? 
And what is to stop Batman from killing other people anymore and justifying murder? So Kantianism says that it is absolutely not the right thing to do to kill because what is right for one cannot be right for all. Gets a little bit more complex when we think of something like Watchmen with the killing of 10 million to save, um, you know, a nuclear holocaust. And Kant would say that, again, it's not right to kill. And therefore, that, that should be that. Because if you justify killing now, then you justify killing for anybody. And if you justify lying now and deceiving and treason, then you justify lying and deceiving and treason for everybody. Uh, if you think about the trolley problem, Kant would say that you are to let the trolley run its course because you are directly responsible for the one person's death if you choose to shift the tracks, but you are not responsible for the three people's death because that was their responsibility to not be on the tracks that the trolley was supposed to be coming through, uh, which is a hard decision to make. But that's what Kant says. He says you have to let the three people die as opposed to the one. And as far as the Gone Baby Gone example, I think that Kant would side on our detectives um, side that saying that, well, he is saying he's choosing to reject kidnapping in this instance, which means that he's rejecting kidnapping in every instance, because if he lets the old chief of police get away with it, then he is justifying kidnapping no matter the situation. Um, and that's a pretty hard, um, but fair way to to view morality so that's so that's kantianism and i got one last one for you which is utilitarianism utilitarianism focuses on the results and treats intentions as irrelevant and so it's it's a uh, it still has universal moral theory uh, a, a kind of a, a sub section of utilitarianism is hedonism which essentially says you can do whatever that brings the self pleasure but hedonism is different than utilitarianism in general because utilitarianism is not self-minded so uh, hedonism is all about the self utilitarianism is still for the good of the common good of people um or if it's an individual choice that it's the individual good of the self um but if if the community good is more at stake then that is right and so utilitarianism utilitarianism so you should always act for the greatest good for the greatest number and you must act if you can meaning if you have the capacity you must make the moral choice um to seek for or to to strive for the uh, greatest good for the greatest number so Let's think about this in terms of, of Batman. Utilitarianism has said that absolutely killing the Joker is the right idea because it's going to save a lot of money and property damage and it's going to save a lot of people's lives. So utilitarianism has said that the world is a better place without the Joker. Batman should definitely kill the Joker. For, for Watchmen, he is saying that the killing of 10 million is worth the saving of the entire world ending in a nuclear apocalypse. Uh, that 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 is justified, but at the same time, utilitarianism doesn't have an ex uh, an answer for what if his plan failed and he just killed ten million people. Is is he morally justified in in his actions if the plan doesn't actually come to fruition? So that's that's a little bit of a 
um, of a gray area even in utilitarianism. Uh, for the trolley problem, utilitarianism definitely says you need to switch the tracks and kill the one person as opposed to killing the three who were on the track that the trolley was headed because the, the best common good is for the three to live as opposed to just the one. And uh, for the Gone Baby Gone example, utilitarianism honestly probably sides with the kidnapper uh, because he took him out, he took the the little girl out of a toxic environment and is giving her a a good life, and so um, that is morally right because that is a a common good that is in the interest of the child. But <clears throat> utilitarianism also falls apart on that example though because it doesn't take into account that people do change, that people sometimes do go for the better, and so. What what if this mother would have had a an experience where she realizes the importance of taking care of her daughter and is all of a sudden not a terrible mother anymore with substance abuse problems and all that? And so utilitarianism might sound good, but it's also pretty flawed because, again, since it doesn't focus on intention, it doesn't focus on results or it only focuses on results. And so even though your intentions might be there, if you don't get the results that you just that you were intending for doesn't matter, right? Results are are the key. Now, this might be really frustrating because I, all I wanted to do was explore different moral ways of thinking and just to get you to understand that there is more than one way of thinking. And obviously, you knew that, but there is countless theories of morality and what is right. And, and the, the more gray of an area that we get, the more tough it is to make a decision. My job is not to influence you to pick a, a theory and to get you to follow along with my moral beliefs. And my, my job is to get you to think critically about these situations and to say, well, this sounds right, but not in this situation. To be like, sure, I really like the idea of Kantianism for um, something like you know, Batman, where it says, you know, well, you can't kill because if you kill for your, then you justify it for all. But also like, I don't like that. He lets that he doesn't let the kidnappers get away with giving this child a good life. So, uh, and that's just an example. I'm just trying to give you, give you this example. And honestly, I don't know that there is a definitive version of morality, but what I do know is that for us Christians, we have to adhere first and foremost to what the Bible says. If, if the Bible is specific in these regards, the Bible says that thou shall not murder. Therefore, you shall not murder, right? End of story. And 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 any of our Ten Commandments, any uh, any anything that falls under Jesus's greatest commandment, saying love God and love others. If it doesn't fall fall under that, then it can't be a moral choice. And some of these really complex, really interesting choices, we have to understand, and we have to do our best to interpret the way that we think that Jesus would act. And uh, and so the Bible and Jesus has to come first in your moral thinking. And I hope you understand that. And I hope that, that this has been a good guide to get you to see all the intricacies of thinking about morality as opposed to simply right versus wrong. Hey, thanks for spending time with us today. If you have any questions about what you heard or any interest in learning more about CCF in Iowa, then please email us at ccf.uiowa at gmail.com and we would love to get you connected.